reading from First Corinthians chapter three. First Corinthians chapter 3. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto baiting Christ. I have fed you with milk, and not with meat. For he that thou, you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal, but whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions. Are ye not carnal, and walk as men? For what I say, I am of Paul, and now that I am of Apollos. Are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom we believe, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planted anything, neither he that watered it, but God that gave it the increase. Now he, now he that planted and he that watered with that one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. He are God's husbandry, he are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another building thereon. But if every man take heed now he building thereupon. But other foundations can no man lay than that is life, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon the foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he had built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, he shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Let no man deceive him. Sorry, let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seem to be wise in this world, let him become a fool, that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He that taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. Therefore, let no man glory in men, for all things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Caesar's or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours. And ye are Christ, and Christ is God's. Amen. Brother Andrew, could you pray for us, please? Hello, Father, thank you so much for this day Right, so 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I'll start from verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Okay, so we saw in the last chapter that spiritual things are of God are revealed to us by the indwelling Holy Spirit. We went through that last week. Now Paul is saying that you can't talk to them as you would other spirit-filled Christians, because they're carnal. Fleshly, sensual, opposite to spiritual is how carnal is described. Okay? So, um, no, still, 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 still,
obviously no one here is Elisa sort of, oh, well, if you're in the flesh, you're obviously not saved. No, they're brethren. He calls them brethren. I'm brethren. He makes a point of calling them brethren. They're brothers in Christ, but they're carnal. Okay, so fleshly, sensual, opposite to spiritual is what carnal is. And, and, you know, we, uh, I'm not going to try and pretend that I'm a linguist here. Maybe think of words like carne, which is probably one of the few Spanish words I actually know. I'm not going to try and be a faster answer here to my Spanish knowledge and other languages. But, yeah, you think of me, don't you? Fleshly, that's what it's talking about here. The opposite to spiritual. Um, okay, okay, Romans, Romans um, turn to Romans chapter 7, and it's, it's a, you know, probably the most famous chapter on this, and it really does just put to bed all this, you know, work, salvation, if you're saved, you're going to show it by your works and everything else. No, there is a daily battle, and we'll just go through it quickly from verse 14. So Romans 7 verse 14, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. For what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present in me, but out of how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the Lord God, but with the flesh, the Lord of sin. So there's, there's Paul making it clear there is a daily battle between the flesh and the spirit. We want to be in the spirit. We have to battle that. And we, we, the more you're in the spirit, the more you're aware of the flesh of that carnal side of us that we're trying to put away. We're trying to get rid of every day. Um, and, and, and like, like I said, I said it's, it's clear, clear as day for that. That's the Apostle Paul, like half of the New Testament. It's clear as day that every single Christian has that battle. If you think you don't, you, you know, if you say you, you have no sin, you deceive yourselves, and, and the truth is not in you. And, and anyone who thinks that they don't have any sort of battle with sin is, is in my book, I'm saying. Um, clear as day. So, um, okay, so, so there is a daily battle, and there's Corinthians here as a whole. So, let's talk to the church here. The Corinthians as a whole are clearly losing that battle, aren't they? Because he's, he's telling them here, clearly, saying to them, you know, I could not speak unto you as I'm spiritual, as I'm carnal, as I'm babe in Christ. Now, babe in Christ is a new believer. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being a new believer. We want new believers. No, we love new believers. But there's one thing being a new believer, and then yeah, we, we don't, don't know exact the exact dates. It seems to be probably a few years down the line of Paul's writing this. A few, a few years, years down, down the line, when you're still, still being described as a baby Christ, Christ and you believe it. Something's wrong there, isn't there? Something's wrong. And, and we, for, for, for us and for, for those that we know, people that we get saved, and people we get to disciple, and we want to be, we don't want to be seen as baby Christ. That's not by puffing ourselves up and trying to be knowledgeable. That's by resisting the flesh, isn't it? That's by being more spiritual. That's by walking in the spirit. Um, um, he says in verse 2 here, I have fed you with, with milk and not, not with meat. Uh, verse 2 of 1 Corinthians, chapter 3, that is. I fed you with milk and not with meat. If either two you were not able to bear it, neither yet 
now, now are you able? So, so what's, what's the milk, milk and meat he's talking about here? Um, so, so, so it's like a baby, baby really. Like so baby price. They start off with the milk, don't they? And, and there's nothing wrong with milk. Babies love, love milk, and, and, and you know we hear everything. Obviously, they talk a lot about breast infested. Of course, you know it's amazing, and there are some great health benefits of breast milk, aren't there? And we're here, we keep hearing more scientific research showing us how amazing it really is. Um, and there's nothing wrong with it. We're not saying, oh, you babe, can only deal with with the milk. It's great. The milk is great for him. That's what helps him grow. The baby needs milk to grow. Baby can't start off with the meat. You start going into heavy, thick doctrines and somebody's new to say it's hard for them. That's why it can be hard, can't it? When they're coming into a new church and and because we want to, you know, as a as a preacher here, I want to be preaching a bit for everyone. And, and you want, you want to, to make sure, sure there's a bit of everything. There's nothing wrong with us going over things. There's nothing wrong with that. Now and again, having a bit of milk, maybe not breast milk, but you know, we should be should, should still we can still learn and grow and remind ourselves of of, of some of the some of the milk of the word. But we should also be designing to meet the word. It's funny, isn't it? When you when you have children and you watch them grow and they and after they're it's, it's weaning, isn't it? As they start to get onto the onto the food, you see them. They start to desire. They start to watch you eating. They start their mouths start moving a little bit. You see, they start craving the food, and they need the food. We need the meat, don't we? We need the meat of the word because if we just if any if us here as adults, especially, we're still still on the breast milk, then um. We would be some pretty unhealthy guys, I think. So there comes a point where the breast has you have to start giving them meat and start to to do less and less breast to more and more meat. Now I know there's a bit of a move nowadays to be breastfeeding until they're like seven, eight years old. But um, I'm not a big fan of that. But they need they need food. They need food. We need as Christians and the Corinthians here need to be moving on to spiritual meat, don't they? Um, okay. Um. Right, right. First, first Peter 2.2 2, 2, talks about this a little bit here. Go to 1 Peter, Peter chapter 2, verse 2. Start, start verse 1. 1 Peter 2, 1. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If, if so be, you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Okay, so, again, as newborn babies, they should be desiring it, and we should be encouraging new Christians to, to desire the milk. And, and for me, that's kind of the simpler things, the easier doctrines to understand, the things which are pretty clear that you don't have to go to sort of lots of different verses to explain why this verse and what. Clear things, obviously, the gospel's clear, isn't it? Clear, the simple doctrines um, of what a newborn, a new Christian needs. But like I said, at some point, they do need the meat. They have, they have to be able to digest it, digest it first, and, and to get to that point, they have to have the milk first, they have to grow to a point. Now, why hadn't the Corinthians here grown? So why hadn't they grown to a point where they're able to deal with the meat of the word, and to never have the strong meat of the word? Well, verse 3 says here, For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and division, are ye not carnal or walk as men? Okay, so... Envying, strife, and divisions in a church is carnal. It's carnal. Um, turn to Proverbs 27. Proverbs 27, verse 4. Wrath is cruel, and anger is outrageous. 
but, but who, who is, is able, able to stand, stand before envy? Envy, envy is a massive problem, isn't it? Now, here's something I find interesting about envy. How many, how many of those Corinthians do you think we read that? How many of them sat there and went, yeah, I'm envious? Any at all? Do you think anyone in here, anyone in this room in the back room here would sit here and go, yeah, I suffer with envy. Yeah, I'm envious of that person, I'm envious of that. No one does it. Because, because you don't, you don't, you don't. When, when you feel envious of someone, you don't go, ah, oh, getting that envy again today. You start, you start to dislike them. You find, you find fault, fault in what they do. They do. You, you find problems in them. You start, you start to, in your mind, you start to tell yourself that, ah, they're this or they're that, that, the way they talk to you, the way they look to you, the way they're acting, whatever it is. You start to get anger and hatred for them. And it causes strife and divisions. But really, it's come from envy. And, and, and it's something, something it's, I, think I think it's a really, really tough, tough one for people. It's something, something that you have to really assess yourself and really be honest with yourself. When you have this dislike, especially for fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, and it's not something you can really put a finger on and go, this is, this is a real reason. This, and it's got to be a strong reason. When it's a brother and sister in Christ, we should have love for each other, shouldn't we? That, that, that's, that's how they should know us. us. That's how they should know, know that we're Christians by the love we have for each other. And if, and if, and if, and if we don't have it, there has to be a good reason. Or you've got to start thinking, is it really something a little bit envious? Because I think it's a big problem. It was a problem here in the Christian church, wasn't it? problem there. And the strife and division is going to ruin a church. And, you know, we're a new church here. And if we think that we're somehow, well, oh, we're all just so spiritual. Oh, no, oh, no way, way is there going to be envy and strife and division. Then you're, you're living in a dream world. Oh, wait. Oh, it's it's going to happen. happen. And it's, and it's, gonna gonna be, it's, it's not already happening. happening. If there's not already problems. And now, I'm not saying everyone has to be best friends with each other. That's not like that. It's not going to work like that. But we, like I said before, we should all be making an effort and a conscious effort because it is a decision to love each other. Okay, we should all be loving each other and we should be going home and praying for each other and wanting the best for each other. If we're not, then you need to assess why that is. Yeah, you might not get it. doesn't mean you have to be best friends. It might be more it's a bit awkward between certain people. Some people just don't click, do they? Some people just have personalities. It's just sometimes, sometimes like, just things just, just don't come out right. right. Some, some people don't, mate. It's, it's not anything nasty or anything wrong. Just sometimes you don't, don't have that particular chemistry. There should be a certain amount, considering we all believe that we've got something in common that no one else has. But, but, we've got to make sure we don't have to start religion. Make sure we love each other. That should, perfect love should cast that out, shouldn't it? It can cast that fear, which cast out the envy as well. Okay, so, verse 4. He says, he says here, for one said, I am a fool, and another, I am of a polis. Are ye not carnal? Okay, and we talked about this a little bit last week. It's carnal to cause division over your favourite teacher, isn't it? That's carnal. We're kind of, you know, getting annoyed with each other, getting angry with each other, having strife, division, because we like to do it this well. We And again, if it's... If it's doctrine, that's different. If it's, if it's biblical doctrine, yeah, we, we need to be strong on that. But on the other things, the little things, how, it, how the little things, the way a church goes and everything else, um, or, or the way someone teaches, and I, I don't see that here at this point. But that could happen, it could happen. Um, so Paul goes on to say here, um, he says in verse 5, Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos? But ministers by whom he believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. 
Okay, it's, it's a form of policy service, but it's the Lord that did the hard work. Yeah? And, and that's a good thing to remember, isn't it? Because even when we look at some of our favourite preachers, it really is God working through them, isn't it? And yeah, okay, we're not, we're not again, that extreme where you go to the Calvinist point where literally no one has any say in anything. We're not saying that. And sure, you can have respect for people. There's nothing wrong with having a love and a respect and, 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 and learning from people, for sure. But still, you've got to understand that it really ultimately comes from God. God that's worked with us. That's who we should be loving and uplifting. When you see a great man of God preaching and teaching the world, you should be thinking, praise God. Praise God for that. It all comes from God. Okay, okay. Verse 6, I have planted, planted a polished water, but God gave the increase. So the, so the glory, the glory has, has to go to God, not man. And, and, and it's a good thing to remember, because we, we get it over, we're soul winning, and, well, you've got to get a bit proud, or that's the salvation you get, or whatever else. It's all God, it's the word of God, it's Jesus Christ that did the hard bit. We should be pleased that we're going out and working for God. But, but, but don't, don't start getting puffed up about, about it. And, and I'm, I'm not saying people are, but we talked, we talked about this a little bit anyway. Um, okay, okay, verse 7. So then neither is he that planted anything, neither he that watered, but God that giveth the increase. Now just, now, just, just bear in mind here, yeah. it's, 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 this is the Apostle Paul. Apollos, who's described as an eloquent, eloquent, which is basically something that's the power of speech, an eloquent man, mighty in the scriptures. But they're saying it still is just, it comes from God. And I don't think we have people on this level, do we? Writing half the New Testament and people like Apollos or Paul. But he's saying that they're nothing. They're nothing. It's God that gives the increase. It comes from God. They do it, but it's God that's working through them. When you put man on a pedestal, and again, I know like we teach you a bit of stuff here, but the fool, it hurts. It hurts you. You start putting men too high up. And we can all do this. We can all do this with famous preachers, pastors that we want to listen to, that taught us loads and great, great men of God. But when you put them too high up, when they fall, and when you start seeing the faults, it can hurt you. And it can shake your faith, shake your faith in doctrine if you're not grounded yourself in the Word of God. And remember that it's from God. It shakes your faith. Verse 8. Now he that planted and he that watereth by one. And, and every, every man, man shall receive his own reward according to his own labour. Okay, okay, so, so they're one, one, I see that as there being one in Christ, Christ Jesus. Jesus. But, but here it says, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his labour. So it doesn't mean there that you don't have to do anything. Well, it all just comes from God. We still, we work with God, don't we? And we will receive a reward according to our labour. We are rewarded according to our labour. And that's a really good thing to remember, because... Rightly, Rightfully so, we, we preach and talk about grace a lot, don't we? That, that grace through faith, that we don't have to do anything. We preach it so much, but we have to remember as well that there's a whole load of rewards we can earn after faith in heaven. And I know that we, we talk about this a lot, but how much do you think about that? How much do you go, are you really thinking, I'm going to be trying to earn these rewards? Um, and we're going to talk about them in a second, it comes up in a few verses of time. Um, he says, he says here, for we, we, we are labourers together with God. We are God's husbandry. We are God's building. Okay, okay so like I said before, we labour with God. And, and it's not just that God saves. So I, I, I used to hate this at these churches where if you talked about any you know, positive getting someone saved, remember it's God that does the saving. No, it's not you, it's God. It's always going to be that don't go out and give out the gospel or for false teachers. 
Um, um, we, we, we still, still have to work, work with God. God. It, 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 the way, the way God's worked it is that we, we give the gospel, gospel don't we? We, we work, work with him. We're fellow labourers. We are, are labourers together with God, says verse 9. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. Okay, so husbandry is a business of farming. So we're basically his business of farming. We're... You know, we're, we're working with him, yeah, of course, he's a boss, we're, we're, we're the ones down here managing, managing it from churches going out giving the gospel. Um, we're, we're part of that planting watering team, aren't we? We plant, we water, do it at different times. Um, we're, built, we're built by God, he says, you are God's building. We're built by him, we are, we are made and owned by God. And that's a good thing to remember, what you're really here for. And when you're owned by God, and that's what God wants you to do. That's what, that's what we need to do, doing God's work. Okay, verse 10. According to the grace of God which is given unto me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation of another builder thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Okay, so it says here, as, like, like a, as a wise master builder, I don't know if you've ever been around some really, really good builders, but it's impressive stuff. You see people who are just, they just know everything about building. And, you know, it's one thing when someone has one trade, but another one, they just seem to just get it all. And some people just have that real eye for it, and they're wise, and they just seem to know how to build things from, from scratch, you name it. I find that really impressive. It's just such an impressive skill. And he's, and he's saying, saying here that, that, that the grace of God was given unto me. As, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. So a wise master builder, the only foundation a wise master builder could use in this sense is Jesus Christ, isn't it? And the foundation is really important, isn't it? If you know anything about any sort of building, what you start with is the most important thing. And I've done this a bit with, you know, Patio, Spencer, driveway, things like that. And, and it, it makes, makes such a difference. If you take, take your time, your foundations are right, you're going to have a good job, job in general after that. And, and, that's, and that's where, where the, the, you, know, you know, if you see, I don't know, if, I, I, I don't find it interesting. Like when I drive down roads or I walk down roads, or even when I'm door knocking, I'm looking at driveways or, or here, a lot of times, kind of patio areas or whatever they are on the front. And especially when there's cars in it, just how much they're sunk. Where the, where the tires, tires are, are and, it's and it's a foundation. foundation. It's because what, what, what happens is people come along and someone says, how many thousand pounds? Oh, I'm going to do that for a couple of grand. And the only reason it's so much cheaper is because they're not digging out anywhere near the depth they should. Therefore, they're not putting in anywhere near the amount of foundation they should put in for that driveway to be able to take cars going on and off it. So you see these things, and they look beautiful at the beginning for a couple of weeks, and then the tire tracks. Just starts to stink, and you just—it's terrible, isn't it? They look so bad. It's all about the foundation, and again, the only foundation that we can use, when, when, as it says here, the wise must build. I've laid the foundation, another builder there on, but every man take heed how we build it upon. Guys, on in verse eleven, other foundation, but no man laid that is, and that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. There is no other foundation. So when you're going, when you're talking to people who claim to be Christians. And they, and they don't, don't really have that foundation of faith in Christ. The rest of it, it's, it's just useless, isn't it? It's rubbish. And it's like, like, like I say, laying block paving over a one-inch, two-inch base or something. It's the same thing. It's a waste of time. It's all going to crumble. It's all going to fall. Because they've never had that foundation in the first place. Um, okay, so he says, he says here, let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. 
Okay, okay so, so Paul said just earlier there, that he laid the foundation, another builder fell on. So, for example, you might go out and get someone saved, then someone else, maybe maybe a teacher, maybe someone at church, maybe someone else is discipling them and building them, or maybe they're listening to the sermons, maybe they're coming to a church like this. Um, Okay, okay, now, now but yeah, every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Okay, okay so, so how we build upon that foundation, foundation we need to take heed. We need to, that means take care. Look at Ephesians 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. It says, And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building, fitly framed together, groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. So, part of that foundation is the apostles and prophets, but the chief cornerstone, that very beginning, that first bit is Jesus Christ. Um, okay, verse 12. Now, if any man, back to, sorry, back to 1 Corinthians. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he has built thereupon, he shall receive reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Right, right, that, that passage there is not, not about hell, hell and, it's, and, it's, and it's not about salvation. Clearly, it's not about hell or about, or about, or about salvation. salvation. Saved, Saved Christians labour in life. Their, their works being either eternally rewarded or being burnt up. It's, it's, it's a difference between work for God and work for ourselves. So, let's have a look at it. Verse 12. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, Right, so, so gold, gold silver, silver, and precious stones last, last, don't they? They last. They can be tried by fire. They last. They're a picture of eternal rewards. And they're a picture of, of rewards that last forever. Wood, hay, stubble. So stubble and stumps of grain left in the ground after harvest. Wood, hay, stubble. Now, these aren't evil things. There's nothing wrong with stubble. There's nothing wrong with wood and hay. Quite useful wood in a lot of, lot of ways. And hay is, depending on what you're doing with it. Um, it's not that they're bad things. But they're things that they might have their use at the time, but they don't last for eternity. So things like temporary things, big bank accounts, you know, respect at your work, at your job, nice houses, sports trophies, whatever it is in life, beauty, I don't know, whatever, whatever that, whatever it is, they're things which don't last forever, and they're things which won't last into eternity. They're not, they're not bad, bad things, things but, they're but they're not, not the things, things that we should be focusing on. on. Turn to Matthew 6. 6. Matthew 6. <laughs> and verse 19. Matthew 6, 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust are corrupt where thieves break through and steal. But lay up to yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust are corrupt, but where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. 
So, so it's, it's clear, clear, isn't it? Where, what should we, should we be focusing on? We should be focusing on treasures in heaven, rewards in heaven. Now, now again, again, yeah, yeah that's, it's, it's not right. right. Whatever, I'm just going to quit my job and that's it. Now, there's the responsibility we have as men. We do it as women. Uh, you, know, you know, like, like we said before, the main, main goal, goal in, as, as God would have ordained from the beginning, many of us have come into, come into faith having already made mistakes in our lives, lives but at the beginning, it should be that women should be looking to buy the house, marry, have children, look after their children, look after their husbands. But that, that doesn't always happen. But all the other stuff, all the, the, the other responsibilities that... That's, that's all fine, fine but, but our focus, focus our goal, goal what we should be fixating on, what we should be meditating on, what we should be aiming towards, is, is the things of God, God's, God's will for us. Um, um, okay, verse 13, it says, Every man's work shall be made manifest. Back to 1 Corinthians 3. Every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Okay, so we're talking here about the judgment seat of Christ. Now, a nice, a nice simple one, one for this. If you turn to Romans 14. And, and verse 10. 10. Romans 14, verse 10. But why does thou judge thy brother? Or why does thou set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account for himself to God. Now there's some false teaching out there that claims that we're going to be getting punished in, in heaven, maybe, or wherever it is, that we're going to be sitting, standing in front of Jesus Christ, getting punished for what we've done post-salvation or even pre-salvation as saved Christians. And that's a lie. That's a false teaching. Now, the judgment seat of Christ, if you look at verse 10 there in Romans, Romans 14, uh, Romans 14, 10. Well, why does that judge thy brother? Why does that set it all thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So, the Lord, the Lord is going to judge our works, what we've done, and, and give us rewards in heaven and in the millennial reign based on what we do on earth. Okay, And that's a great incentive, isn't it? To go out and do some, some amazing works for God. Um, now, verse, verse um, 12. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. So we're going to give account of our works and receive rewards for them. Because obviously when you're standing in front of Jesus Christ at the judgment seat of Christ, we're not going to be standing there, you know, lying about this and that. I think you, you know, you're going to be standing in front of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to be giving account, but it's going to be an honest account, isn't it? And, and the Lord is going to award you an amen to that. Because again, without that, we would like to be sound spiritual. Just, I have so much love for, for the Lord that after he saved me, I just want to do everything for him. And that's, and that's a great way to be, but let's be honest. We don't, we don't always feel, feel like that. And we, and we do need that incentive. And like we talked about this morning with kids, they, they need an incentive a lot of the time. And, and it's quite handy, the, the chastising of incentive as well, isn't it? Because we know that when we're going the opposite way, on this uh, in this life, we're all chastised. But heaven is glorious. And, and there's nothing for me to, nothing in the Bible that says that we're going to be in heaven getting punished for all the bad things we've done, because it would be a good thing, because basically it would be hell, wouldn't it? Because we've all done a lot of bad things. We've all, we all still do. We all still sin. We all, 
the more you understand, the more you read through the Bible, the more you see how much sin there is, how much, how, how massively we fail. And, and we all do. And, and that battle with the flesh and the spirit, we don't always win. And thank God that, that it's rewards in heaven and nothing else. Okay. Um, so back to, back to uh, 1 Corinthians there, chapter 3. Verse 14. Let's look at some of these rewards. So if any man's work abide, which, which he has built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. Okay, okay so, so we're going to receive rewards for, for, for our work. So what sort of work are we going to receive rewards for according to the Bible? Okay, so soul winning, discipling people. We've just seen that in verse 8, haven't we? If you just have a look, quick look back at uh, chapter 3, verse 8 there, first Corinthians. That he that nods and he that walks with the one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labour. We're going to get rewards for planting a watering. Now, part of that, planting and watering, what about raising godly children? Godly children, that's watering, isn't it? I see some rewards coming for that, for sure. Especially with your mums out there. Said it's, you know, didn't want to just go heavy on you this morning, shame and everything else. Because on the flip side, you can earn a lot of rewards there because it is it's more your job than it is a member. But the men still have a part to play in that as well, like I said. Raising godly children. How about helping the church to function? The church is watering. If the church is watering, then for that church to run a bunch, there's a lot of stuff that he's doing in the church. There is a lot of stuff. Then helping that happen, you're partaking of that watering, aren't you? You're partaking. It's not just me up here preaching the word of God. It's not just the people doing the song leading or whatever else. It's a whole lot. Everything done to make this church work is part of the watering. Okay. How about have a look at Matthew 5? Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 19. Right. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Just a quick point there. Notice how they haven't been kicked out of heaven. Or sent to hell. I know the saying is, I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but we hear so much of it, don't we? Works, works, works. He should be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, let's talk about the commandments, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So again, doing the commandments and teaching them. That's the watering, isn't it? That's that watering. Um, um, and you can even say the planting as well there, because you're teaching the commandments, and every man will see the son of a believer here. Um, okay, okay. That, that, that is part that, that it says here, you should be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Now, I don't, now, I don't know if that's talking about great in terms of as, as you call great men of God, you know, a great men in the earth being of wealth, or maybe it's just if you're going to get some, some good recognition. Either way, that sounds like a good reward to me. Um, okay, okay. Go to Matthew 5, uh, 11 now. Sorry, Matthew 5, 11. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they were prophets which were before you. Getting persecuted for Jesus Christ's sake. But when you're getting persecuted for Christ, the Bible says here, rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. 
you get, you get rewarded, rewarded for that. that. And that's a good good thing to remember when you're in the middle of persecution. Because, uh, like, like we said before, now having, having a proper church this country, it's going to come. For sure it's going to come. And we've only had a little taste of it. And we're going to get rewarded for that. Praise God for that. So we're rewarded for getting persecuted in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay, let's look at something else here. Matthew 6. Over the next chapter, Matthew 6, verse 1. Take heed that you do not your arms before men, be seen of them. Otherwise you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine arms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest arms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. That thy arms may be in secret, and thy father, which seeth in secret himself, shall reward thee openly. Okay, arms are basically charity. When you're doing your things, you're giving to others. There's many different ways that we can do that. It says here that if you're doing that, taking heed, so be careful, because if you're doing that before men to be seen of men, then you're not going to get any reward in heaven. So, you just yeah. give it, so if you're making a point of telling people, and the thing is, you might, you might think, well, oh, I just, no, 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 you know, just mentioned it. Like I said before, you know, I'll, I'll, for example, we, we spoke to someone on, on the door, and we found a saved guy again, and, and it's great, isn't it, when you find someone saved. And, and for me, once it's clear that they're saved, the next thing I want them doing is going out soul winning. For me, well, what am I going to do now trying to encourage you? Yeah, I'd like to get them along to the church because I believe that this is probably the only place in the UK really that's preaching for true. In many different areas, and there's a couple left probably that have the gospel right. But regardless, you want to encourage them, don't you? And there's something wrong with that and trying to encourage people, but make sure that you're right in your heart. Why are you telling people about your soul winning? Why are you telling people about whatever it is you do? Sometimes I tell uh, uh, unsaved people, people about soul winning because it's a good way to then get on the gospel and to say what we're doing. Try, try to show them that people get saved, how easy it is to get saved, etc. Okay, there's not a problem with that, but we want to be a we want to be aware that there is, in the heart, there is, isn't there, in our wicked hearts, that desire to try and look great in front of others, in front of other Christians. Do our arms perform people, tell people about it. I mean, we're not, I don't think anyone here is of that kind of Facebook type who, who literally takes pictures of their charity work. <laughs> things they've done, and, and the latest one is a vaccine, isn't it? It's a picture of their vaccine certificate and stuff. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, please, I'm not there, but, um, yeah, yeah it, okay, okay, I don't think there's anyone there like that, but it's still, still it's, it's not just the world that does it either, because it's a fleshly thing, we all have to battle with the flesh, so not to do your arms before men, or you'll lose your reward, um, but we do get rewards, don't we? So when we do these rewards, when they're in secret, my father would see it in secret himself, shall reward the openly. Okay, maybe that's going to be what I, I believe that's openly in heaven, and maybe you will get some blessings in, in this world as well. Um, okay, okay. Uh, verse 5 and 6 in Matthew, Matthew 6 here. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, and they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father, which is in secret, and thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. So again, we're talking about rewards here for prayer. And again, it's not saying you have to be secretive every time you pray, but you should have a private prayer life as well, shouldn't we? 
hundred percent with Shamble's private prayer life. And, and when you and that frame to be seen of men, it's, it's wicked, isn't it? And and you see, and I've I've had this experience in churches as well. The the, the public, the open prayer. I love the way we do it here. And, and just a short, simple, to-the-point prayer. prayer. And yes, yeah, sometimes after a sermon, it might be a few points of the sermon or something that I'm feeling kind of stirred to pray about. But it's not this long, drawn-out prayer where I'm ticking every box of the prayer and everything else to sound. And you can get drawn into that. And you can be at these churches, and they're all doing it, and it comes, they go around the church to pray, and it's like, you either make this big point of just saying a quick five-second prayer, or you get drawn into it, or you just have to not do it. And they'll do it, and it's not how it seems competitive, at the least it's to be seen and then to pray. And that's not what praying's about, is it? So again, so again, a short, a short prayer, 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 prayers like this, that's how it should be. Not these, Not these long, long prayers, prayers that they do here. Um, okay. okay. Verse, verse, um, verse 16 of Matthew 6 now. We talked about this the, the other day briefly when I, when I preach on fasting. Moreover, when you fast, be not as a hypocrite of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But now, when thou fastest, anoint thy head, wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which sits in secret shall reward thee openly. Uh, I talked the, 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 other, the other week about all the many different circumstances for fasting. But something here is, is that we get rewarded for it as well. Yeah. So, so as well as being grateful when you're about to, or, or you're coming up to an important Time in your life, something you're about for great work for God, you're suffering persecution, tribulation arising, whatever those reasons, your mourning, whatever else, all those reasons to fast, and add as well to that, you get rewarded for it. Amen. Yeah, we're rewarded for fasting. Okay, so there's some great, great things that we get rewarded for. So just some that I can find just... Uh, uh, looking quickly in the Bible, like I said, was for soul winning, discipling, for, for raising godly children, you know, for work in the church, for doing and teaching commands, getting persecuted, for your arms, for your charity, for praying, for fasting. Um, there were also crowns. There's crowns to earn as well. I don't know how many of you are into, you know, like the idea of a crown or not. Sounds pretty good to me. Um, okay, there are crowns. We've got the crown of life for enduring temptation or persecution. Look at James 1.12. James, 12. James, James chapter 1, 1 verse 12 says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Okay, so you've got the crown of life for enduring temptation and persecution. Some believe that this is like an analogy for something else. Maybe they're not physical crowns. I don't know, I like, I'll go with physical grounds, but, um, Revelation 2.10, Revelation 2.10, but chiefly them that walk off the flesh and lust of uncleanness, and, uh, I have it this recently, I'm blaming on this Bible, Right. Revelation 10. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. So that enduring temptation, being faithful unto death, 
it's not just the crown because because you've had a bit of a problem. The crown here is enduring it, isn't it? The crown is going through it, being faithful all the way to the end. And there are many Christians that when the going gets tough, they fall away. They fall back into sin, back into their old life, come out of church. No, if if we want that crown of life, you need to be faithful unto death. And, and we can. I hope that, that we don't just talk a good game here, but we want to be, no, we're going to be faithful, faithful to the word of God, faithful no matter what. And that, there we go, then you get the crown of life through enduring temptation. Okay, what about if you go to First Peter 5? Okay, verse 1. The elders which are among you I exhort to am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Okay, so the crown of glory is for leaders who are willing examples. So for leaders who are willing examples, who have got it right, they're not there doing it because they want the praise of men, or they're, they're, they're leading because they need to be top dog, or they're leading because they, 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 they want a pay packet out of it. And yeah, and yeah, you might think, well, you're not going to get paid much, do you, for, for leading a, a little small Baptist church or whatever it is. But some people, it's money, it's easy money, maybe they don't like their jobs or whatever else. It doesn't have to be the multi-millionaire preacher that's only doing it for money. But but the Bible says here, feed the flock of God which is among you, take the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly. Not for filthy lucre, which is money, but of a ready mind. And you do it with a ready mind, neither being lords over God's heritage, not because you just need to lord it up over everyone, being examples to the flock. It's an example, isn't it? It's an example to others. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. That's the crown of glory for leadership. Right. What about the crown of righteousness? Have a look at 2 Timothy 4. This, this one's for Second Timothy four verse seven. This one's for all those that love the Lord's appearing. I have fought a good fight. This is Paul talking here. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Which, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but to all them also that love is appearing. Okay, so if you love the Lord's appearing, the Bible says here that you'll receive the crown of righteousness. Now, why sound a bit like oh, that's pretty easy, that one. So what about when you're when you're deep in sin? What about when you're just you're just not even a tent? Or maybe you're not really winning that battle. And you just in the fresh of life, do you really are you really looking for the Lord's appearing then? Are you really willing to go through the tribulation to get to the Lord's appearing? Are you really? Because if you're not, I don't think you're going to be going towards the crown of righteousness. The crown of righteousness is those that love the Lord's appearing. They want the Lord to come. 
they want that to happen. They want it. They're willing to go through that because they just love the Lord. They want to see the Lord. They're ready. And they're ready maybe because they've done a lot already. They've fought the fight. And this is at the end of life. So he's, so he's done, done what he knows that God wanted him to do. So now, so now yeah, I'm looking forward, I'm ready for it. And, and, and how many of us can say that? Can say, look, I'm ready now, I know I've done everything I possibly can. I know that I've fought that fight, I've kept the faith. Um, okay, last one here, last one. So, Revelation. Before now, now this one seems a bit more simple here. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 4. Revelation 4 4. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. Crowns of gold. So we can. Now, this is a bit of a title one, this one. For those crowns of gold, you've got to be one of the 24. I don't know if that's really the intent for anybody. Oh, maybe it is. Maybe someone's sitting here going, I'll throw you up. Yeah. There is a, there, there's, there's 24 guys that made it. There are 24 guys that made it to, to, to those 24 elders, those leaders that, that made it to the, to the select. They are the elite. They get the crowds of gold. Okay. Um, right. Back to back to First Corinthians three, verse if, if any man's work, work shall be burned, he shall, shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. fire. Okay. okay. So, so it's, got it's got nothing to do with salvation, salvation, is it, here, yeah, obviously. Um, um, it says he, he, he shall be saved. Now, now you, might you might lose your temporal achievements, but you're, but you're saved from hell. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and here he says, yet so as by fire, as if it was by fire. Okay, it's not saying it's saved by fire. Saying as, as if by fire. fire. Now look at verse 16. Know, know ye not, not that ye are, are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Okay, okay. if you look at 1 Corinthians 6, let's go over a couple of pages. 1 Corinthians 6 19. It's a similar, similar statement there. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Which, which are God's. God's. Okay, okay, so, so in 619 there, you say you're not you're not your own. Okay, and that's a good thing to remember, isn't it? That we are not our own. We, we are a temple, and, I, and I'm not just talking about the bodybuilders out there, my body's a temple, but we are a temple, and that's probably where it is where it first came from. Um, okay, but we're a temple of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I think it's good to let that sink in a little bit, isn't it? You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Praise God, you've got the Holy Spirit inside you, and your body is described as a temple. And I, 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 I preached this a while back, um, and, and, and it was about First Kings 6, you don't have to go there, but just talking about the precision that went into the building of the temple. And if you, you, know, if you want to go back and just read First Kings 6 and just see just how precise it is, it's just... How, how serious? Seven years. Seven years of building that temple. We, we are, we are that now that temple. Each and every one of you are saved. Are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Not including some of you, some, well, the majority of you kids here, except those hopefully that are too young. But um, you, you are saved, born again Christians, a temple of the Holy Spirit. We want to start suspecting ourselves as that. And I'll preach a little bit on that, on, on what we put in and out of our bodies as well. 
I think is important. But obviously, how, how he behaves massively as well. It's a, it's a big, big deal, deal, isn't it? That is a, a big deal. deal. Um, verse 17 there. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Okay, so defile is made dirty or foul, polluted, soiled, corrupted, violated. So that can kind of work in a few ways. If anyone defiles us, anyone defiles us, God will destroy, destroy them. No, that's, no, that's one way to do it. How about if we defile ourselves? We can, we can defile ourselves, can't we? God, God will destroy you. Now, again, you, you say, say that obviously it's here about safe Christians, Christians and going to hell, but God can destroy you in this life, can't he? And, and, and there are examples of that um, with Christians probably the world over when they, they've got to that point where they're just in decency, they're defining themselves, and, and it's, it's over for them. I, I, uh, I had a friend recently who... Um, Got him saved, but he, he, he had a real, real, horrible life, really. It was, you know, um, it, was, it was a pretty wicked life. He was really, really on some pretty nasty drugs. And he, um, he got saved, and it gave him that chance, and he was trying, and, and he, he just couldn't win that battle with, with the flesh. And sure enough, he got about a, maybe a year, year and a half. I was sure he was saved for probably about a year and a half. I really tried him, but he was real addiction problems. And then just wound up dead. That's it. Done. Gone. Destroyed. Now, he's in heaven. Praise God, he's in heaven. He won't have the reward that he could have got. He's still in heaven. But he became of no use. He had that opportunity. He had that chance. And we don't want to be slipping like that. I'm not saying anyone will necessarily go down and repeat it, but we don't want to be slipping, get to the point where God ends it and cuts it short. Maybe you've got eternity in heaven. Eternity. To, 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 to be able to, to, to talk, talk about and receive the rewards for the great things you did, in all eternity, to, to, to regret the things you didn't do. Um, um, and again, and again I, I do think heaven's going to be a great place regardless. But we, 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 there's so much we can do, isn't there? Um, okay. okay, what about if we defile a brother or sister in Christ? We defile a brother or sister in Christ. And again, remember like I said, defile made dirty or foul, polluted, sold, corrupted, violated. Probably a few ways that can be done. I don't mean in like the most grotesque ways either. In different ways as well. Defile brothers or sisters, and I'm sure that's happening. Can happen. I'd be defiling you if I was up here just preaching, preaching heresy, damnable heresy. I'd be defiling you. Remember? Now you might be thinking, well, maybe he's not saved if he does that. But maybe it'd be just just a lot of heretical teachings would be defiling you. And we need to be aware of that around each other, aware of what we're teaching our kids as well. Um, okay. Verse eighteen. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. Okay, no don't see this seemeth to be wise. Seemeth to be wise. And this, and this is, is in the, the world's eyes, isn't it? Anyone seemeth to be wise could become a fool. So saying, let him become a fool. Let's become a fool in the world's eyes. And we saw we saw what was being a fool in the world's eyes in, in, in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 1.23. Um, but we preach Christ crucified unto Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. So... Let him, Let him become a fool, preach the cross, preach the gospel, and, and, and start, start doing, doing God's, God's will. will. I think stop, stop seeing yourself as wise and start living for God. Um, um, 
19, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, but it is written, taketh the wise in their own craftiness. Now, I don't think you can do that to death enough, but we have done that quite a bit over the last couple of chapters about the wisdom of this world being foolishness with God. Um, and Paul's like, you know, you make a point of a Bible in because it's he's talking to, isn't it? And I think here, like, they've ended up... I think here, like, they can convince themselves, can't they? The world itself and people and worldly Christians just start to convince themselves of really of the foolishness that they think is wisdom. And you get a bit puffed up, and especially the world. A lot of these, like, like we talked about the other week, these, like, atheist professors and other wise of the world, I mean, they... they they seem to really believe that stuff, stuff don't they? And, and it is foolish that they convince themselves of that. And then what, what happens? It says, it says, it's written to take the wise in their own craftiness. So I think they convince themselves and then they suffer eternally for it. And, and, and he takes them in their own craftiness. They want to, they want to believe that in the end, as we know, they're given over, aren't they? They're given over that great mind. And, and, and eventually, with some people, that's it, it's too late. He takes the wise in their own craftiness. They carry on preaching their lies, their false gospels, their false religions, and everything else. Uh, verse 20, and again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise that they are vain. And they are the so called wise. It's not really wise, it's what the world calls wise. And, and it, it is, it's vain empty nonsense. They sound so intellectual, but it's so empty. And the more you grow, and I'm sure you can all probably relate to this, the more you grow, the more you grow in faith, the more you read your Bible, but you hear these so called intellectuals, you just realise that they just, they just go around in circles, don't they? It talks such nonsense. Yeah, you see through it. Yeah, you see through it. And and you're listening to these people, and and you just like you didn't even construct a proper sentence there. They start just longer words, longer trying to go here and there and bamboozle with this. They don't even make a point half the time. And, and, and it's there, they, they think they're so wise, they think they're so intelligent. And it's just, it's rough, because they're so, they're not, they're so foolish. They can't even construct a sentence which their target audience would actually understand. They can actually just relate to. Oh, they're just so clever, they've got to use all these words that the layman can't understand. Well, they're not, who are they really targeting then? You know, you know, and, 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 and yeah, there's nothing, yeah, there's intelligent people, sure. There's, and there's nothing wrong with using, we've got a... He's using English language. There's some great words, aren't there? But, but, but come on, come on let's, let's try and actually make sense. If you're preaching to the masses, you want them to be able to understand you, don't you? Yeah. And these people don't, can't, can't, they, they don't do because they're preaching nonsense a lot of the time. Yeah. And when I say preacher, I'm talking about the, with the wise of this world and all their different theories and all their different, you know, some philosophy and everything else. So much is such junk. Such junk when you start assessing it. Um, and I'm talking as well about the religion as well, the, the, the so-called wise professors of religion and the junk that they come out with as well. It's rubbish. Um, okay, therefore, let no man glory in men for all things are yours. Okay, okay, so, so when, when you know, know this, when you know this, it stops you putting men on a pedestal, doesn't it? Why, why would you glory in men when you just see through all that stuff? And when you know that the wise men that we listen to, the wise men that we like to hear, the wise men preaching to us, the only reason they're wise is because they're saved and it's all coming from the word of God. And, and, and therefore, you can't put them up there, really, because it's God that you're putting up on the pedestal, because it's God where it's all coming from. 
and, and, and therefore, let, let no man, man glory in men, for all things are yours. Um, so, so even, even godly teachers are called upon as Cephas, and nothing without God. All, all, all their wisdom comes from him. And it says here, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the world of life or death, or things present or things to come, all are yours. Okay, have a look at uh, Revelation 21 here. Verse 6. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Um, okay, so we overcome the world by drinking of the fountain of the water of life freely. We don't overcome the world by. Not, not sinning or whatever, again, you hear the false teaching done on this, people try and reach for these verses, it's ridiculous. But um, you overcome the world by, by drinking of the fountain of the water of life, that's Jesus Christ, that, that's, that's a fountain of the water of life, eternal life. And then we inherit all things. And, and, and that's what it's talking about. All things are yours. We are inheriting all things. When we go to heaven, we've inherited all things. And, and, and especially when we have a new heaven, a new earth, we've inherited it all. Uh, we are, we, don't forget, you become a son of God, um, a child of God. We, we, we are heirs. We're heirs. And, and that is amazing, isn't it? But what, how do we manage that? I mean, when you look at yourself and you say, how on earth did I manage to become an heir of the God of this whole universe? And I'm an heir. I'm an heir. And, and, and I, I have been alive for, for all these great blessings and inheriting all things. Amen to that. So back to 1 Corinthians. And, and verse 23 here. And ye are Christ. And Christ is God. So... He redeemed us, he bought us with his blood, and, and, and again, we're heirs, but we're bought. So it's a good, like, just, just to remind yourself, don't get too, like, carried away and puffed up here. You still owe him, you're bought. Yeah, you're bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, the precious blood of Christ. Now, in this chapter, something I noticed here, it's got a nice structure, is it? Paul, he rebukes them, he rebukes them at the beginning. He explains their error. So he, so he rebukes, he explains what the rebuke's for, and he encourages them with the, with the truth of heavenly rewards, which is a good encouragement. He reminds them that they are temples of the Holy Spirit, and then he ends by telling them that they're owned. And it's a nice, I think that's quite a nice structure for correcting people, isn't it? Like, rebuke them, but explain their error as well. Yeah, encourage them, encourage them, give them the truth of the rewards. You don't have to behave like this, you don't have to be like this. Remind, Remind them that they're, this, that they're, 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 they're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. And, also and also remind them that they're owned by Jesus Christ. And, and uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's a good structure. Come on now, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Father thank, thank you for your word. Thank you for, for, for rewards, rewards in heaven. Thank you so much that, 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 that not only did we find just we did nothing. We did no way deserve it. The grace, grace that you've given us through faith alone. Um, it's, it's not of our works at all, but thank you that then after that, you've given us the opportunity now to earn the water of heaven. And, 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 and 
to be, to be, to be heirs, to be partakers of, of all these heavenly things. It's just amazing. Um,